Several years ago in London, England, the city began to be besieged with calls complaining about the mass transit system in the city. And it seems that the city buses were passing by bus stops, uh, even though there were customers who were waiting in line to be picked up. And so the city was called upon to explain what was happening, and the London Mass Transit Authority responded with a statement that became infamous among public relations uh, departments all over the world. This is the following statement that they issued. They said, It is impossible for us to maintain our schedules if we're always having to stop and pick up passengers. What's, what's a little wrong, what's wrong with that statement, right? I mean, it's, that's a problem, right? They, they got confused about their priorities. They thought their job was to keep a schedule when in reality their job was to pick up passengers and deliver them to their destination. And because they got their priorities confused, that for which they were created for, they were unable to accomplish. So it leads to my question for us, what were you created to do? What were we created to do? What did God have in mind when he saved you? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that when we were saved, that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared for us in advance to do. In other words, God had something in mind for you when he created you and when he saved you, and that was to do good works that he prepared in advance for you. But what did he save you to do? Some people mistakenly uh, believe that once they've received God's saving grace, that God's purpose for their lives is for them to come and fill a seat on Sunday morning in a sanctuary and that they're satisfied in doing just that. They have no intention of doing anything more. You see, it's possible for us to confuse our priorities. There are important tasks for us to get done. And if you and I don't do them, they're not going to probably get done. Now, just like the schedule was important to the mass transit authority in London, so also going to church to worship is absolutely important. It's one of our priorities, but it's not the only priority. We were created, according to Scripture, to do good works. Jesus saved us, and he calls us to serve him by being his kingdom workers. Jesus, in this passage that was read, called Peter and Andrew, James and John, to come and follow me, And I will send you out to fish for people. That call is universal. It's universal for every Christian. It's not just limited to apostles and to pastors. This is Jesus' call to everyone who comes to him. It's a call for all of his disciples to be involved in ministry, to do ministry, to be fishers of people. And some might say in response to this universal call that, well, right now is not a good time kind of busy right now, and I can appreciate that. I mean, life at times can be rather busy. I mean, lives can be full, lots going on. However, being too busy with other things in life is really not a good excuse not to, not to respond to God's call to serve him. When Jesus calls these four fishermen, they're actively working in the family fishing business. He calls busy guys. I mean, the first two guys that he calls, we see them, they're actually out there fishing. They're casting their net trying to, to do what their, their business is to do, to catch fish. And then the last pair Jesus comes to, they've either been out fishing or they're getting ready to go out fishing, and they're mending their nets in preparation for that work. Now, why would God do that? Why would he call busy guys? Why would he pick on busy men? Because you, when you need something done, you need to find somebody who knows how to work. You need to find somebody who has shown that they can be responsible. God is looking 
for responsible workers. That's why Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Jesus not only calls these guys into kingdom work, but he calls them from something. God's call in our life to serve him is to go from something to do kingdom work. And these guys are being called from fishing for fish to being fishers for people. So whatever Jesus is calling us from is usually something that we're good at or we're comfortable with or something that we like. And when I read this passage, oftentimes I usually concentrate on what Jesus is calling these guys to do, but I forget oftentimes what he calls them away from, what they have to give up in order to do this thing that Jesus calls them to do. They leave behind lots in order to follow this call that Jesus puts in their life. They leave their boat. They leave their father. By obeying Jesus' call, they're relinquishing commitment to a family business, their assets, probably their livelihood, and it surely probably had impact on their family relationships and some obligations that they felt. And leaving behind when we are called to serve usually means it involves sacrifice. There's something that we do have to give up. Maybe it's for you, it's not giving up the family business, but maybe it's something like, uh, maybe in God's call in your life, instead of buying a new car every five to seven years, you actually buy a used car and you drive a used car and you take that, the, that resource, those financial resources that are a difference and God's calling you to invest them in the kingdom in some, in some, some way. Or maybe it's involved in giving up a Wednesday night to serve in our Kidmo ministry here at church and you're feeling called by God to impact and invest your life in children's lives. Or maybe it's a call to, to be a mentor to youth in a life group and one of the other nights of the week. Or maybe uh, it's a call that you're supposed to give up some money and, and a week's vacation to go on a mission trip to a place like Alaska and to serve in the Christian college and build relationships with kids that are coming out of those different villages in Alaska. Who knows? I don't know what God's calling you to do in terms of the kingdom. Only you know. But if you were to talk to anyone who gave something up in their life in order to serve God in one of those ways that I just mentioned, I bet you that you would hear how blessed they have been by what they experienced as they gave themselves to whatever work God was calling them to do by serving God and how much they, they grew by serving God and, and the ways that they were able to see God build His kingdom and they were able, invited by God, to partner in that project with Him. And you would hear joy that would come from their mouth, but also some sacrifice, a willingness to give something up in order to do something that's even better in the kingdom. When Diane and I were uh, fairly still uh, young marrieds, um, uh, we were invited to get involved with, a, with starting a new church, a church plant. And we didn't really know what that was all about. We really had no idea what does that mean even to start a church. But we were excited. We just felt compelled, led by God, to get involved in this work of starting a new church in Kansas City. And so we jumped in. We were committed to that. And and the leadership found out that that I had a pickup truck. And so part of the process when you're a new church is the uh, you meet in a building that's not yours. And we were meeting in a, in a, a junior high school. And so everything that you use on a Sunday morning, you literally have to bring it in. And then you have to haul it out. So everything that's on the platform, you know, the podium, the sound system, the musical instruments, all that stuff has to be brought in. Uh, everything you're doing for children's ministry. We had a couple of rooms in the school that we would meet with with kids. Everything in those rooms, whether it was a rocking chair and cribs for the nursery or curriculum and, and stuff for kids to do, it all had to be packed in and then packed out every Sunday morning. 
And they found out I had a pickup truck, and so they elected me the children's department hauler. You know, I was the guy who stored all the children's equipment in our garage, and I would load that up in my pickup truck every Sunday morning, take it to the school, unload it, set it up in each of the classrooms, and then when church was over, guess what I got to do? The exact opposite, right? I got to pick it all up, load it up in my truck, and then unload it in my garage to store it for the next week. And when we started the church, boy, it was exciting. I mean, we were seeing God do some amazing things. It was really exciting to be part of this work. But i got to admit, after about two or three months, I was getting tired of this routine. I mean, it was two hours before church started, two hours after church started, and I started complaining to God. Like, God, really? i got to do this for the next foreseeable future? Isn't there anybody else who could help me? And just started grumbling in my spirit inside. And then within a couple of weeks, it felt like God just had a heart-to-heart conversation with me wasn't like he was a real audible voice, but it felt to me like God was basically giving me some options in this deal. He was basically saying, well, you can continue to complain and grumble and lose your joy in serving me. And, and, and that really won't be a good experience. You can give up, you know, being the guy who helps do all this work and setting everything up. And I'll find somebody else. But if you do that, I had this sense that I wasn't going to be able to experience being a part of building God's kingdom. Being able to see God do some amazing things through that work. Or he was basically saying, you can find your joy in what I'm calling you to do in this moment, in this task, and be a part of the bigger thing that I'm doing in and through this church and really see me uh, work in people's lives and, and change lives and, and, and bring people to Christ and faith. You know, it's really your choice. And I really had the sense of, well, I really want to be a part of the bigger, bigger mission. I want to see God do something amazing. And so I ended up giving myself to doing that work for quite a while. And the nice thing was, is once that God had that heart to heart with me, my heart really did change. It didn't become something out of obligation or, you know, just something I had to do. It really was something I was seeing as, as just doing joyfully as a part of the bigger work that God was doing in that church. And we did get to see God do just amazing, amazing things through that church experience. But through that process, um, God had invited me, hey, there's something you're going to have to give up if you want to be a part of this bigger kingdom project. There's a sacrifice. But guess what? When you offer a sacrifice to God in that way, if it's a kingdom work, if it's something that God's calling you to do, you're going to experience the joy of serving God and making a kingdom impact that pays big time, bigger than whatever you gave up. And certainly we're not looking for monetary payments from God or some kind of material response, but the joy. And the joy of working with God and seeing God change lives. Man, that's what life is really about. I mean, that's what Paul's getting at in terms of God's purpose in our life, in terms of, of being created to do good works. I mean, that's what, that's what God was really doing when he created us. So what were we created to do? Well, we're created to do good works for God and in his kingdom. Now, looking at this passage that was read this morning, I want to look at a few things here. And, and, and the second thing I want us to look at is that God is calling us, Jesus is calling us to a relationship first, before an activity. He calls us to a relationship. That's what it's all about. Where he says, come, follow me. Now, if you were only to read the, the Gospel of Matthew's account of this calling, this encounter, you would think that this was the first time that Jesus had ever met Peter uh, Andrew, James, and John. But that's not true. If we look at the Gospel of John, it, it tells us that they had met sometime before this and that Jesus had met at least Andrew 
and uh, Peter in a different way. And so I'm going to take us over to that story and just read it real quickly for us to see this context about how Jesus meets these guys. It's in John chapter 1, verse 35 through 42. It says, The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, was standing there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, We found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And so we have this context of the story about how Jesus had met Andrew and then he met his brother Peter and that he... uh, He builds a relationship with them. And Jesus' calling to these guys comes out of a prior relationship base where he's calling them now onto a full commitment to be his disciple. And they're calling to join in Jesus' kingdom missions, going to be accomplished out of an outgrowth of their relationship with Jesus. But it starts with that relationship. And I think about that story, I think about when I was growing up as a child, and and when when I was in grade school, we lived in Topeka, Kansas, and we lived in this neighborhood where we lived on a cul-de-sac. And it was great when you were a kid living in a cul-de-sac. We had about eight homes in that cul-de-sac, and most of the homes, they had kids about the same age as me or my sister. And we'd get home from school, and basically all the kids would just come out of the houses, and we'd, we'd just get together, we'd do whatever all afternoon until supper time would come. And we cul-de-sac, you could play baseball in the street or kickball, or one of the neighbors had a big field next to their house, and we'd play football or you know, rock, uh, we'd play uh, Army or we'd do uh, uh, Cowboys and Indians or Hide and Seek or whatever. And our parents didn't really worry about us. I mean, they just pretty much let the gang get out there and, and have, a, ha- have fun and just hang out until supper time would call. But when supper time would come, one by one, the moms would step out on the patios and the, and the porches and they would call our name. They'd call us home to come for dinner. And I think about that, that that's what Jesus has done in this situation. He's built a relationship with these disciples, and when my mom would call my name and call me to come home for dinner, I knew who was calling me. I recognized that voice, and I knew it was time to come home. And all my friends, my neighbor friends, they knew their mom's voices too, and they knew when it was time to come home. And the same thing that Jesus wants us to to have this relationship with Him that's so deep and so close that we literally understand. We know His voice. We know. His call in our life. We recognize it and we're able to respond like these disciples respond when he calls them to follow him and then to be fishers of people. You see, Jesus didn't just pick 12 men and suddenly employ them as his disciples. In fact, the pattern, at least with Peter and Andrew, it was a little more gradual. We can look in scriptures and we can see how he met with them. He met them, and then he, then he would pray for them. There were times he would actually pray before he would choose his disciples. And then he calls them, and then he, we see that he works with them for almost three years. And over those three years, he gives them increasing responsibilities, ministry responsibilities, and, and sees them starting to learn and to do more and more kingdom work until at last at Pentecost, Jesus allowed them to lead and take care of his most prized possession, his church. 
And, and they're responding at this moment with as much as they can, with as much as they understand of Jesus. And our lives are the same way. As we walk with Christ and, and, and we get to know Him, there's this increased understanding of who Jesus is. And that increasing understanding requires an increasing adjustment to our commitment to Him. And Jesus' call to serve Him is first and foremost a commitment to a deep relationship with Jesus. It begins with a relationship, not with an action, but in a relationship. But we look at that passage as well, and we see Jesus' calling has little to do with our ability and everything to do with our availability. These four guys, they were professional fishermen, right? They'd grown up learning how to fish in the family business. Their livelihood depended on their ability to catch fish. Do you think that Jesus called them to the kingdom work because they were the best possible fishers of people? I don't think so. That's not what I get when I read the Gospels. In fact, when I read the Gospels, I see these guys, they don't really have a whole lot of clues about how to go about doing this work. And they always seem to be confused and mixing things up. And Jesus is always teaching them and correcting them and training them. These guys had little experience of know-how in terms of the kingdom work. Again, the Gospels prove their lack of ability and their understanding over and over again. Yet Jesus initiates the call to serve him. Jesus picked them. They didn't pick Jesus. Jesus picks us. We don't pick him. He calls us. That's the amazing thing. He picks us. He chooses us to be his disciples. And when Jesus initiated his ministry, he established a whole new kind of form of discipleship that was unlike any of the other rabbis of his day in Israel. See, the rabbis of that day, what they would do is that that people would know that they were looking for disciples, and so all these people would basically give them their resumes about how good of a disciple they could become. They'd show them how much they knew about the Word of God and and how good they were at learning and and how faithful they would be in serving. And and so the rabbis would check out all these different people, and then they would pick the very best students of all the options. And it's a lot like our high school seniors, what they've done this whole last year. You know, many of them have been sending out college applications and, and trying to demonstrate their level of education and how strong they are academically, their leadership experience, their volunteering experiences. And then what they're trying to demonstrate to these colleges is how good of a student they can be so that they can get into the best colleges and, and get the best scholarships so that they can get the best education. It's amazing how things haven't changed a whole lot in 2,000 years. If you want to study under the best rabbis, if you want to go to the best college and get the best possible degree, the cream kind of rises to the top. Well, in this situation, Jesus turns it all upside down. Okay, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they weren't the cream of the crop, folks. There's a reason they were fishing and not studying under another rabbi. They'd been overlooked, most likely, by other significant rabbis in order to become their disciples. That's why they're fishing. Jesus didn't pick them because of their ability. He picked them because he valued them. He picked them because God had created them to do good works, which he had planned in advance for them to do. And so Jesus picks them, and then he disciples them, and he invests in them over three years, and he equips them to do the things that God had created them to do. So for us, if you're hesitating serving God, in the church or in the community because you have a, you know, you're come up with an excuse of, of a lack of ability or experience, guess what? Join cast of thousands and millions of other Christians who gone before you who initially are not very capable kingdom workers. It's not about our ability. It's about our availability. 
It's part of the grace of God that any of us are chosen or called to serve God in this kind of great mission in any capacity. Who really is qualified for this kind of work? Now, I'm not advocating that we just don't worry about growing in our faith or becoming better servants or learning. That's not what I'm saying, but we have to start somewhere. We have to start somewhere in serving in the kingdom of God. As one person once said, God doesn't look at your ability. God looks at your availability. Jesus enlists these four workers to join him in in the kingdom mission, and he offers a promising outcome. He says, hey, if you come and you follow me, I will send you out to be fishers, to, to fish for people. He's basically saying, I will equip you to do that work for which I'm calling you for. In the future, they will be effective in seeking men, as effective in seeking men as they have been in fishing. But at the present time that Jesus calls them, they were not very effective fishers of men. But after following Jesus for three years and having three years of ministry experience and training, what were these guys capable of doing? How about changing the world? How about building Christ's church? And if you're available, if you're available, God can and God will do great things through you. But it usually starts small. It doesn't usually start with big things. It usually starts with small things and being faithful. Do you know that God is looking for fat people? He is. He's looking for fat people. I'm not talking about people who are overweight. I'm looking, he is looking for fat people. When I mean fat, it's, it's an acronym for three words. He's looking for faithful. He's looking for people who are, who are willing, who are going to be consistent, who are going to be responsible people. He's looking for people who are available. That's what we've been talking about. You're willing to sacrifice time, your life, your gifts for the kingdom. He's looking for people who are available. He's looking for teachable. He's looking for people who have a humble spirit, who are lifelong learners. They're willing to learn and and be humble in that spirit. And thinking about that, I was thinking uh, uh, on Friday, I had the opportunity to play in a golf tournament. Uh, It was a golf tournament for the... Salina Rescue Mission. It was a tournament to raise money for the rescue mission. And uh, got invited to play with a group of guys. A couple of the guys are from our church. And one of the guys, Wally, had only played golf one time in his life, ever before. And it was like 15 years ago that he played. And so a guy in his life group found out he was going to be playing in this golf tournament, hadn't played much ever. And so his friend took him out to the golf course a couple days earlier, and they went out in the morning, and, and he just taught him how to hit a couple of clubs just two clubs, and just try to teach him the basics of a swing. But Wally went out there and played with us, and he'd only played once before. But the great thing was, is Wally's a great learner. Wally was asking all kinds of questions about how to play golf. Why do you do this? Why do you swing the club that way? What's different about that club than this club? And he was asking so many questions, it reminded me of being a parent of a four-year-old, you know, where the kid's asking you 5,000 questions, and you're like, can we just have some peace for a little bit here and play golf? But that's what God's looking for. He's looking for learners. He's looking for people who are humble enough to say, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not sure I know what to do or how to do it. And those are the kinds of folks he can use, that he can equip, that he can build up to do bigger and better things. But it starts small, right? But the theme of this message is to get you to realize that your purpose as a Christian is not fulfilled just in going to church and filling a seat by putting your time in for God. You can only fulfill God's goal for your life when you begin to commit to following and serving Jesus. You know, our mission statement, our church, is to go go deeper in Christ and further in mission. 
This is all about what Jesus is saying here in this invitation. He's saying, when you come and follow me, that's about, hey, go on that deeper walk with me. Build that closer relationship with me. Allow me more access into your life so that I can really bring about uh, meaningful transformation. And then once we do that, when we have that deeper relationship with Christ, there's this invitation that God invites us to the rest of our life, our purpose of life. And that's to, to use our life, right? To do good works, to do good things, to build the kingdom. It's about serving Him, going further in mission. So if you're really serious about Jesus' call in your life to follow Him and serve Him, I just want to offer a couple of practical suggestions for you to act on your faith. You know, if you really want to go deeper in following Him to build that relationship with Him, I would suggest, if you're not in a life group in our church, that you ought to join one. You know, we have life groups that meet throughout the week, and it's usually a small group of people, sometimes 8 to about 12 or 14 people, who read God's Word together, study God's Word, and share life together and learn from one another. But there's really kind of two critical ingredients that help us go deeper in that walk with Christ. One is is to spend time in God's Word, and that's really how we get to know Jesus and how we grow closer to God. But also, second part of that is to do that with others, other believers, where we can encourage one another and and, uh, and challenge one another and help each other grow in our faith. So that's be one practical thing I'd encourage you to get involved in a life group or a men's or a women's Bible study where you can do those things together. And if you need more information about that, you can put that on your Connections card on the Sunday morning or talk to Patty Thompson, pastor of Connections, or Doug or I. We'd be glad to help you get involved in one of those groups. And I think that it really would help you in your walk with Christ. But the second thing is you want to take seriously God's call to serve and build his kingdom which is really getting at the deeper part of our purpose, you need to find a place. You need to find a place where you can, you can use your gifts and your life that God has given you to bless others and to serve others and to serve in his kingdom. So what's some things you can do about that if you don't really know? Well, what do what I do? Where do I look? Well, a couple things would be, one is we do uh, connecting point classes a few times during the year. We just finished one up in April. But the second half of that class is all about helping you discover your gifts and your passions and maybe begin to explore a place to begin serving in. And it's really great. It's a great class. And so we're going to be doing the next one in the fall. And so on your Connections card, there'll be a place where you can mark uh, Connecting Point classes. And and we'll get in touch with you early in the fall, let you know when the next class is going to be. But that'd be a great practical step to take. A second thing that you could do is, is on the back side of that Connections card, you just flip it over and there's an opportunity for volunteering. And there's about, I don't know, eight or ten general volunteering categories of in, things in the church, but also things in the community. This isn't just about serving in the church. It's about serving the kingdom wherever God leads us. And so there's some opportunities there. And I just encourage you to mark that, look at those over, maybe t- pick one that you might want to be interested in exploring And when you mark that ministry, it doesn't mean you're committed to serving that ministry. It just simply means somebody from our church is going to call you and talk to you about what that ministry is all about. They're going to share with you information about, explore with you how you might be able to get involved and to serve in that way. So the thing that I want us just to to really remember as we look at this passage is that our purpose in life is not just to know about God and to show up in church every once in a while, but God created us to be in a deep, life-changing relationship with Christ. And he created us to serve his greater mission, to use our life to do good works, to build up the kingdom. That's what he has in mind for us. And that's when we, when we really step into those, those two areas. 
in our walk with Christ and in serving Christ, we step into those things, man, that's really when we discover the fullness of the purpose of our life. We get to experience joy and passion uh, to, to a greater and greater degree than maybe we've ever experienced in our past. But you never know what you can do for God until you're willing to wait upon Him and be used by Him. And so I would encourage you to give yourself to God in small things of this life and wait and watch and see what He does and how He does great things in your life. Let me pray. Father, we thank You for this passage, this calling that Jesus sends out to these four guys. Lord, it encourages me to see how, how you call us, not because of our ability, but because of our availability. You're the one who picks us. It's not us who picks you. So God, we, we thank you that you did pick us, that you, you value us, you love us so much, and you've created us for a purpose. And that purpose is connected to having a relationship with Christ and, and serving in your kingdom. God, help us to, to go deeper in that walk with Christ. Help us to be committed to exploring the, the deeper relationship with Christ. And then help us, Lord, to, to know Christ so well that we know his call, his voice in our life that invites us to serve, serve you and serve the church and serve the kingdom. And in, in what ways are you calling each of us to give ourselves back to you? God, we thank you that that we know that we do have a purpose, that you have a purpose in mind when you created us and formed us. And God, we're grateful for your love for us and your invitation to that relationship. Lord, we, we give ourselves to you as best as we can. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.